Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Dr. Tony Dale. He's the president of Sidera Company. He wrote this interesting column about needing a personal health care option, not a public option. Want to find out more about that. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. He'll be joining us as well as former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. It is June the 24th, and on this day in 1997, U.S. Air Force officials released a 231-page report dismissing long-standing claims of an alien spacecraft crash in Roswell, New Mexico, almost 50 miles or 50 years earlier. A public interest in unified, identified flying objects, or UFOs, began to flourish in the 1940s when developments in space travel and the dawn of the atomic age caused many Americans to turn their attention to the skies. The town of Roswell, located near the Pecos River in southeastern New Mexico. I've been to Pecos River. It's a pretty interesting place. Another story, though. It became a magnet for UFO believers due to the strange events of the early July 1947 when ranch foreman W.W. W. Brazel found a strange, shiny material scattered over some of his land. He turned the material over to the sheriff who passed it on to the authorities at nearby Air Force Base. On July the 8th, Air Force officials announced they had recovered the wreckage of a flying disc. A local newspaper put the story on the front page, launching Roswell into the uh, spotlight of the public's UFO fascination. The Air Force soon took back their story, however, saying the debris had been merely a downed weather balloon. Aside from diehard UFO believers or UFO ufologists, public interest in the so-called Roswell incident faded until the late 70s when claims surfaced that the military had invented a weather balloon story as a cover-up. Believers in the theory argued that officials had in fact retrieved several alien bodies from the crashed spacecraft, which are now stored in that mysterious Area 51 installation in Nevada. Seeking to dispel those suspicions, the Air Force issued a 1,000-page report in 1994, stating that the crashed object was actually a high-altitude weather balloon launched from a nearby missile set test site as part of a classified experiment aimed at monitoring the atmosphere in order to detect Soviet nuclear tests. On July the 24th, 1997, barely a week before the extravagant 50th anniversary celebration of the incident, the Air Force released yet another report on the controversial subject, titled The Roswell Report, Case Closed, the document stated definitively that there is no Pentagon evidence of any kind or, of, or life form was found in Roswell area in the connection with the re- reported UFO sightings and that the bodies recovered were not aliens but dummies used in parachute tests conducted in the region. Hmm. Any hopes that that would uh, put an end to the cover-up debate were in vain as f- furious ufologists rushed to point out that uh, reports inconsistencies with conspiracy theories alive and well and on the internet, Roswell continues to thrive as a tourist destination for UFO enthusiasts far and wide, hosting the annual UFO Encounter Festival each July and welcoming visitors year-round to its International UFO Museum and Research Center. UFOs. So I found this uh, interesting story. Uh, there's a new Navy tech aims to use lasers to fool defense systems and missiles into thinking they see multiple aircraft or even a UAP uh, <clears throat> that's identified uh, aeronautical phenomenon, I think is what that is. But anyhow, for that matter, but the plan wasn't to trick the world into thinking they were being visited by aliens. Point being that apparently this technology that's been developed is able to create the uh, illusion that there's aircraft up there that don't really exist they're able to do this with lasers and apparently it's uh, it's been patented recently but how long have they been using it and it could this be another explanation for the uh they actually use lasers to to make this happen so could lasers have been used to fake the uap sightings it seems feasible but for now the military's focus seems squarely on defensive applications for this patent kind of interesting
why do we have UFOs? And uh, actually, I talked, uh, uh, heard an interview of a guy that used to be head of the space program. He was relieved of that command, but uh, he said before he got in the military, he and his girlfriend in high school actually saw a UFO. Interesting. Well, uh, the trust people in the United States have the media is the lowest in the free world and is likely driving more and more away from the traditional news sources, according to a blockbuster study of international media consumption of 29 free nations surveyed in a digital news report in 2021. U.S. trust in the media ranks 46th of 46, <laughs> dead last, and cable news uh, TV is the worst according to the report from Oxford University and the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. The 164-page report said cable news channels Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC have some of the highest levels of distrust. The study looked at major media-consuming nations around the world, although some such as uh, China and Russia were not included. The report noted that news consumption has slumped since former President Donald Trump left office and all out outlets are feeling economic pain, none more than print. The report said that more than 30,000 industry jobs were lost in 2020. Trump's impact on the news consumption and interest was a feature of the report's U.S. sections. It noted that 2016 Trump bump helped the media gain readers and viewers, but also said that Trump, Trump's exit from Washington has driven people away from the news, especially right-leaning consumers apparently disinterested in good old uh, Sleepy Joe. <clears throat> and what, while many remain very engaged, we find signs that others are turning away from the news media and in some cases avoiding news altogether. Interest in news has fallen sharply in the United States following the election of President Biden, especially with right-leaning groups, the report said. How about that? Actually, uh, they demeaned President Trump so badly, and of course they were, the media was dependent upon him. He went away, and now their profits have fallen right through the floor. Unbelievable. The report said in some countries, lower interest may be uh, much to do with changed politics at the coronavirus crisis itself. Interest in the news in the United States has declined 11 percentage points in the last year to just 55%. Uh, this is a time I think we should all be very concerned about the news because there's so much going on that's detrimental to the well-being of the United States and the Constitution. Well, the CDC Safety Group said there's a likely association between a rare heart inflammatory condition in adolescents and young adults mostly after they received the second COVID-19 shot, citing most recent data available. There have been more than 1,200 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, uh, mostly in people 30 and under who have received Pfizer and Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, according to a series of slide presentations published Wednesday for a meeting at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, Myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle, while uh, pericarditis is the inflammation of the membrane surrounding the heart. Uh, clinical presentation of myocarditis cases followed vaccinations have been distinct, occurring most often within a week or two of the dose, with chest pain and most common pre uh, as the most common presentation. That's very disturbing. Now, if you're thinking about getting these doses for everybody, I think this makes a pretty good case that maybe people under 16, 18 shouldn't be getting the doses at all because it's making them ill, and it could actually lead to some sort of a uh, heart condition. That's serious stuff. John McAfee, the creator of McAfee Antivirus, was found dead in his Barcelona prison cell, that according to Reuters. McAfee's death comes just hours after Spanish courts allowed his extradition to the United States. The death will be likely deemed a suicide. He was 75. Now, here's a tweet that he sent out. Just before his death, getting subtle messages from U.S. officials saying, in effect, we're coming for you, McAfee. We're going to kill yourself. That's right, he said. We're going to kill yourself. I've got a tattoo today just in case. If I suicide myself, I didn't. I was whacked. Check out my right arm. And there's a picture of him with whacked uh, on his arm. So that's kind of a curious development, isn't it? McAfee was set to uh, face charges of tax evasion 
Once back in the United States, he was arrested in Barcelona in October 2020 and believed that he was being targeted by IRS over his failed bid to run as a leader of the Libertarian Party in 2020. Spanish authorities, however, said that McAfee was simply a tax dodger, adding that the Libertarian Party often gets less than 1% of the vote in the United States in the elections. In March of this year, prosecutors unveiled federal charges against both McAfee and a business partner in relation to inflating the value of crypto. They listed alongside one Jimmy Gale Watson Jr. in the press release. Officials cite the 40-year-old executive advisor to McAfee's so-called cryptocurrency team as the co-conspirator to commit commodities and securities fraud, conspiracy to commit securities and touting fraud, wire fraud conspiracy and substantive wire fraud, and money laundering and conspiracy offenses. That sounds like a lot of bad stuff that uh, they're charging him with. They're pretty angry with him, it looks like, or were, until he killed himself. Uh, uh, Allegedly, U.S. authorities assert the crime was committed by both individuals, though McAfee's Twitter account using it to peddle various digital token alternatives to Bitcoin. In addition, on a separate charge, the duo didn't disclose their personal stakes had also had with the ICOs in question. Interesting development, huh? Sounds like another story, creating a little murder mystery. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Tony Dale. He's the president of Sidera Corporation. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of a terrific organization, really really looking out at the welfare of kids in public schools. It's called the Florida Citizens Foundation. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, we're a uh, 501c3 not-for-profit. Uh, we focus um, exclusively on K-12 through education issues. 
and trying to stop the indoctrination and uh, the uh, you know that ranges from critical race theory to pornography to you know everything that's going on to, to in our public schools to, uh, to to really damage the future of our kids so that's what we do yeah and you do a great job of it i must say you have tremendous influence with the commission of education as well as the governor's office and the legislators i think you're just doing a terrific job it's only been eight years and to gain that influence is just really great uh, i will say uh the uh, florida citizens alliance is responsible in large part for overturning common core and getting better standards for us in our public schools so keith uh any new developments in education well uh this may sound like it's a bit on the periphery of what we do because we we said we focus on kids uh, and, and their education and what's going on to indoctrinate them. But here in Collier County, uh, we've uh, been very active in an effort with a number of different groups uh, to get our Board of County Commission uh, to sign a, a an ordinance, to approve an ordinance uh, to protect all of the Bill of Rights. And some people might ask, well, well, what's that have to do with kids? But when you step back and think about it for a minute, if we as adults are not willing to stand up and provide, uh, you know, a proper image um, and messaging to our kids about uh, our very founding principles, uh, how can we expect them to respect those, uh, uh, you know, those same principles? So we've been working really hard at that. Um, uh, on Tuesday of this week, uh, there was the first of two hearings by the Board of County Commission to uh, consider making Collier County the first county in florida to pass an ordinance to stand up and protect our bill of rights well i must say so where did that come from was this be, uh, part of your initiation or did you initiate the effort or uh, how did this all come about well there was a local group that uh, started uh, you may remember bob uh, eight or nine years ago back in 2012-13 um, uh, florida citizens alliance led an effort uh, to do a, get a resolution, and, and we did here in Collier County. But mm -hmm. resolutions are, are really not law, and they have no real meaning. Mm -hmm. And so a, a local group of folks, uh, Jimmy and his wife, uh, uh, Jimmy Rosenberger, started an effort here about two and a half months ago. And uh, when we found out about it, we jumped in with both feet and uh, have been helping, uh, you know, get this through the process. So it's been a combined effort of... Of a lot of different folks it started out as a second amendment ordinance and then because of some laws uh, a law here in florida that precludes the, the board of county commission even weighing in in a, in a positive way um we shifted to a bill of rights ordinance and it, the, the the hearing on uh, on tuesday was amazing in many respects mm. uh, byron donalds showed up he was a bit of a surprise congressman donalds mm -hmm. um we, we knew he was following the effort but we didn't really expect him to show up uh, he spoke very strongly in favor of the, the ordinance. Sheriff Rombos did an absolutely super job of uh, trying to convince the, 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 the uh, county commissioners to pass this. It turned out that it did pass by, uh, and, and by the way, there were, 20, there were 20 people speaking on behalf and nobody speaking against, mm. other than uh, Commissioner Sol Solis and Commissioner Penny Taylor. Uh, they're the two that ended up uh, speaking out against the Bill of Rights. Um, <laughs> what? Where does that come? You know, that's what are they thinking? I mean, it's <laughs> like crazy. It's just, like, it boggles your mind, Bob. If you'd have heard um, Andy Solis and his rationale, I mean, it's just absolutely clear that he has no. I mean, he's a lawyer. He has absolutely no understanding of. Uh, our constitution of the bill of rights of the supremacy clause and i know uh here's the guy he's the guy that himself. said he's the guy that said we can increase tourism by having everybody wear masks and call you <laughs> right right well you know it, it was it, if it weren't so sad yeah it would be comical you know but it's it's sad that that we have two county commissioners uh penny taylor tried to to several times to get people to shift it to a resolution and thank goodness Bill McDaniel, who introduced this, was unwilling to go down that road, which we applaud. Yeah. I mean, a, res a resolution, uh, 42 counties have already passed a resolution, and that's meaningless. Uh, an ordinance puts the full power of the, of the local government behind any, uh, any unlawful acts against, um, you know, against its citizens here in Collier County. So yeah. it's a huge step forward if we can get them to do it. Uh, round two is on July 13th. 
And we just strongly encourage um, all of your listeners to reach out to all of the board members. Thank, uh, you know, thank LaCastro and McDaniel and uh, Bert Saunders for moving the ball forward. Uh, Bert wavered a little bit, so he's going to need some additional encouragement. But uh, what Penny Taylor did, and particularly what Solis did, was just mind-boggling. Uh, so what's the purpose of the July 13th meeting? Uh, when, when you have an ordinance, it has, to, it has to go through two rounds. The first uh. one and the vote on, on t t Tuesday was to just advertise it mm. uh, because it's, it's then going to become an ordinance or law in Collier County. They have to advertise it and give people, you know, the community an opportunity uh, to weigh in. So round one was uh, voting three to two to advertise it. And on the 13th, they'll vote, uh, hopefully, uh, I'd love to see them both five to zero, but based on the comments from Solis, I think his, uh, his only course of action is to resign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> really, so unbelievable. So, uh, you know, congratulations to you. I think this, that's a, a big step forward for uh, Collier County. I will say that, that the big news, I guess, in terms of ed public education is the governor signed uh, the bill about uh, civics education. And I've right. read, read through the bills. I mean, it, it looks uh, really, uh, really strong. Uh, it was uh, it was House Bill 5 by Representative Zika. Um, in the Senate, it was 1450 uh, by uh, Anna Maria Rodriguez. And we were strong supporters all the way through the, the process. I will tell you that we are. Uh, there was another set of civics bills that sounded really innocuous. It's Senate Bill 146 that ended up passing both houses. It's, it's action civics. It's a left-wing opportunity to require all of our kids from grades 8 through 12 uh, to become activists. I heard and, about uh, this, yeah. We're strongly urging. We've got two action alerts out. We're strongly urging everybody uh, to you can go to our website, uh, click on the link, and send a, um, a, 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 you know, essentially a, a, a demand for the governor to veto that bill. He has until the 29th. Uh, to veto it. If he doesn't veto it, it passes into law uh, without without him doing anything, and we just got to get him to to say yeah. no. I, I if I were a betting man, I'd suggest he's not going to sign that bill. Yeah, I mean, he would uh, veto the bill. If he understands it, but you you got to step back and remember that both a Republican House and a Republican Senate passed the bill. Yeah. So they put it in because they. It has really nice-sounding words, yeah. you know, civics literacy. How can you argue against that? Exactly. Right? Keith Flogdon, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, doing great things, I think, to help, especially in public education. Uh, GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com is the website. Check it out and also uh, send that notice. I guess you're sending it to uh, the governor to uh, not right. sign the bill. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Sure. Take care. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Tony Dale. We had him on the show last week, but I lost him. Our phone connection went dead. So uh, I'm really looking forward to talk to him about his idea about a personal health care option, not a public option. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape 
by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Dr. Tony Dale. He's the president of Sedera.com. Dr. Dale, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Dale. So uh, you're the... uh, making a case for we need a personal health care option, not a public option. I'll start off by asking you about Sidera.com. What's it all about? What do you do? Okay. Well, thank you so much for asking. Uh, Sidera is a nonprofit medical cost-sharing community uh, that offers an innovative non-insurance approach for managing large and unexpected health care costs. Now, in addition to this, we facilitate the sharing of medical expenses. Uh, Sidera helps promote price transparency and cut red tape. Uh, so, essentially, we're, we're a membership organization whereby members, by contributing to their own sort of monthly uh, uh, medical cost-sharing account held at an FDIC-insured bank, uh, when they or other members have medical, uh, medical bills, uh, funds from right across the community uh, can be made available to them to share those costs, uh, and those funds go directly to those members for their medical needs. So you bypass uh, insurance altogether. Uh, I, I would imagine people still continue on programs like uh, Medicare, Medicaid? Uh, yes, yes. If, if people are eligible for Medicare or Medicaid, those are things that you know they've already paid for or mm-hmm. which the government has made available to them. Uh, but, yeah, for the vast majority of people who are not uh, in those programs, this is a very effective way of taking care of the unexpected. Sounds so interesting. That. So it's, you explain it in a way that I'm taking, I'm understanding that it's sort of c- catastrophic coverage. It's not for the, uh, you know, the doctor's visit, that kind of thing. Yes, I, I think that would be essentially true. Um, Uh, Obviously, what is catastrophic varies uh, pretty significantly from person to person. So, you know, uh, some people can happily manage the sort of $5,000 deductibles, which are very common with most insurance programs now. Uh, Whereas, uh, as you and I both know, there are vast numbers of people in this country who would struggle to put $1,000 together. Sure. Uh, So we have various programs where people can make a choice of, uh, what we call their initial unshareable amount. We want everybody to have skin in the game, everybody to be involved in what's going on and to care about their health care costs. Uh, but within that, uh, there are ways for people to choose what they can manage and, and what they uh, want the community to help them share in. So how large is Sidera? I mean, what's the size of the community that you're, I guess insuring would be the wrong word, but uh, who are participating in the Sidera? In the, uh, yeah. Participating is a great way to put it because it is entirely a voluntary thing. Uh, We work with uh, around 1,000 companies nationwide. We're uh, working currently in 46 states. Wow. Uh, We'd love to work in all 50, but uh, as you know, sometimes the regulatory environment is uh, pretty tough in some states. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we we work where we're allowed to in active cooperation with the, the sort of regulatory authorities. Uh, we deal with hundreds, uh, sorry, uh, uh, tens of thousands of people, but hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical bills uh, on, uh, you know, a monthly basis. 
That is so interesting, and frankly, I'm just so ignorant to this. I've never even heard of it. So, uh, kind of, it's cost sharing. Now, are you regulated by uh, state insurance uh, regulators, or uh, who, who's uh, who's overseeing the process? Okay, well, uh, that's a really good question. That's not an easy question to answer because, uh, as you absolutely correctly stated, we are not insurance. Uh, we we never have any transfer of risk. Uh, people who are a part of membership with us understand that the community that is there to share, uh, but not to take responsibility for. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in practice, uh, we've been able to share uh, every medical need that every member has had for the six and a half years of our uh, you know, existence. We've paid out millions and millions of dollars on medical bills. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a very important principle to understand we're not insurance. Uh, so... Uh, you know, when people choose if they're going to engage with us, we're, we're really looking for people who, I, I guess I would say, have the, the responsible approach of understanding they're not offloading their responsibility to other people. They're, they're sharing with a lot of other people who've chosen to get engaged in helping each other with larger medical bills. So interesting, Dr. Dale. So is there a, a prearranged schedule? In other words, if in fact you have a uh, medical procedure, a, a laminectomy or something like that, and uh, will you know what percentage will be covered, or how does that work? Yes, okay. Uh, now, we're very careful about language because of the regulators. Um, you know, the, uh, we're in that sort of gray area, I guess, from the regulator's point of view, that they understand that we're not insurance, uh, but they, as, uh, you know, people designed to help protect the consumer, uh, obviously have an obligation and a strong interest in making sure that the consumer is properly taken care of. So, you know, when you're working in that context, yes, absolutely. People have a monthly share that they contribute. They know exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, their expectation will be that once they've... Uh, you know, paid out to the medical providers they're working with what we call their initial unshareable amount. Uh, but after that, the community uh, is there to help them uh, share in all of the remaining bills. Uh, and like I say, we, uh, you know, to this point in time, have always been able to pay every uh, member's bill. Or we don't pay it. What we do is we, uh, we have a highly organized way where we can coordinate the money going to the members from other members so that they themselves can be paying their own medical bills. There's no guarantee, uh, but there's six and a half years of experience of millions and millions of dollars of bills being paid exactly as expected. So interesting, Dr. Dale. Now, do you have, uh, and I've forgotten the word, it's like an accountant, but uh, someone who's, how do you set the premiums, or the premiums, again, is the wrong word. <laughs> how, did you, how do you yeah. set, set the amount that people pay in and, and to assure yourself that you're going to have the money to cover the the, the uh, claims? Okay, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and again, you're, uh, you're gently probing in totally appropriate areas. Because we're not insurance, mm -hmm. uh, we don't use actuarial studies. That's it. Uh, but obviously, over a, a period of time, you gain experience, and mm -hmm. it's based on that experience uh, that we've been able to decide, you know, what the monthly shares should be. But we also recognize even however large your group of people is, uh, that there's going to be fluctuations. I mean, who could have anticipated COVID? Right. Uh, who would know if uh, there's going to be a, a million or a multi-million dollar need this month, whereas for the next three months, you know, the largest need might be 150000 So, you know, what you're doing is you're balancing up uh, your experience of working with people with uh, a safety, a stability for the community. And that's why, you know, the, the money, that there's no store of money, but what there is is tens of thousands of people uh, who have within their own account uh, money that they've been setting aside, uh, which we have a freedom to move around uh, so that the people who need it uh, mm -hmm. are able to have that money to share in their costs. So interesting. Again, Dr. Tony Dale, the president of Sidera.com. Uh, I would imagine that's the website, Sidera.com? That is correct, S-E-D-E-R-A dot com. Okay, so uh, definitely, who would you, is there a way to describe your typical participant? In other words, uh, who is, who, who is, is it young people, older people, uh, families, who, who, who participates? 
Okay, that, that's again a get, great question, and, and we have people participating really right across the board. Uh, I guess the exception would be uh, those of Medicare age uh, up. Uh, you know, they're generally taken care of in other right. fashions, although if they're still working, uh, still in an employed position, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to ha- have them along with others of their colleagues. Uh, so we have two major classes of people. We uh, Most of our work began uh, within the, the sort of employer-based world. Uh, I knew and loved the healthcare sharing ministries because I've been very engaged with them for many years. First, I've been using them myself, uh, very uh, satisfied with working with them. Uh, and uh, then I started a company to help them deal with their medical costs to make sure that they were paying fair prices. So over the years leading up to 2014, I'd uh, worked with the ministries for uh, sort of 20-plus years, uh, and we'd helped them negotiate uh, and handle hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars of medical bills. Uh, So we were very used to, to that world. Uh, But what I saw was that they could only help the Christians. Uh, And, of course, you know, being an active Christian myself, I I welcome what they're doing for the Christian community. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't like the fact that the Affordable Care Act limited them to only working with Christians. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Sidira was my answer, so that there was a way for anybody. There are many people of goodwill from every background, uh, so that anybody could get engaged in this sort of approach the handling medical costs. Say, Dr. Dale, again, so is the website, S-E-D-E-R-A.com. Dr. Dale, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Mulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Mayor of Naples, former Mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, you know, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, yeah. And I thought I was, <laughs> I thought I was going deaf, 
and I'm like pressing the phone up against my ear, and then I went and looked, and like the volume was down to like three on the phone. <laughs> so I'm not going deaf. I just had the phone turned down for some reason. Uh, okay. So anyway, I'm ready now because I can hear you. Very, this is the best I've heard you in like two weeks. Oh my Go goodness! Ahead. So uh, you, you wrote this column: the U.S. should take note of Vietnam's Vietnam First trade policy. I wonder where they got that. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, you know, I keep thinking, I think back to Obama, when he immediately went on his, you know, international apology tour, uh, for, you know, apologizing for America being America, and we chastised him for doing it, first of all, at all, second of all, overseas, um, and he said, well, uh, you know, yeah, America first, like, yeah, France thinks of France first, and, and we're like, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, we should be championing our country. That's the point. Yep. And then Trump came in, Donald Trump comes in, and he's he's reinventing trade, as it's been known in D.C. for 50 years, uh, reinventing a lot of policies, you know, questioning our, why are we in NATO? If Russia invades Latvia, why are we automatically required to go to war with Russia, I don't understand. You know, NATO was formed to deal with the Soviet Union. That went away 30 years ago. Yep. Can we please break up the alliance? Um, you know, Europe's got like 15 times the GDP of Russia. They can handle it. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, we need to reorient our policies. We've been the world's suckers for 50 years now, at least. Right. And so now, and one of those things is trade. And Trump was tired of signing up for multilateral trade deals, which dilute our negotiating power because we're negotiating against seven countries instead of one, um, and for signing up for policies that cost America's, Americans jobs because we cut these deals that allow unfettered access to our country while allowing them to limit access to theirs so they'll move there and make it there, and it's and then they get deals to make them to manufacture cheaper than it is here, and then get unlimited access to our market. Why wouldn't they move? Right. And so, what he used as a weapon again, because the only thing he had really at his disposal was tariffs, was imposing tariffs on countries that were trading with us unfairly. And it was a very effective policy. I wrote a piece in like 2019. Where I did the math, he'd imposed a total of $240 billion in tariffs, mostly against China, now keep in mind. Right. I mean, very few against other trading partners, mostly against China. And he increased the GDP of the country by $2 trillion, yeah. <laughs> from 20 to $22 trillion. So, okay, I'll pay $240 billion more in exchange for $2 trillion more. That's a pretty good investment, return on our investment. So... That's, that's why he imposed the tariffs, was to even out the playing field and to hopefully force these countries back to the negotiating table. And, yes, we want free trade. We want, but you can't do it unilaterally. We tried it unilaterally for 50 years, and it's cost us millions of jobs and trillions of dollars of wealth. Right. So, anyway, I say all this to say Thailand, oh, excuse me, Vietnam just imposed like 47% tariffs on Thailand's sugar, on Thai sugar. Huh. And the reason they did this is because Thailand subsidizes their sugar $1.3 billion per year. Hmm. And they've been flooding Vietnam with their subsidized sugar. And, you know, they have, Vietnam, of course, it's a very similar uh, climate. They're, they're they have Vietnamese people trying to grow sugar. And they're getting undercut by this subsidized sugar, and they want to protect their, you know, Vietnam first. The First and foremost, we're going to protect Vietnamese jobs. So they impose this tariff on the Thai sugar because they're cheating. They're not, this is not a market solution where Thailand's making the sugar, growing the sugar more efficiently and selling it at a lower price. It's a government augmented lower right, price. Right, it's, right. It's, it's a non-market <laughs> force that's lowering the price of the sugar, which is undercutting their sugar. And, of course, sugar's in everything. You, th you hear sugar, you think candy, but it's everything. Right. Well, go, go to a grocery store, pick up five items. Three of them will have sugar in it, Absolutely. just randomly. Yep. Um, but anyway, they want to keep the jobs, because you've got to keep your farmers growing things in your country. You can't rely on the world for your food. So they impose this 
massive tariff. And what do you what do you want to? Hopefully, Thailand will get the message, or if not, hell, raise the tariff, and 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 get to a point where we can start negotiating away. You know, the subsidies on one side and the tariffs on the other. I'd like to get to no tariffs and no subsidies, but you can't get there one way because they'll just keep dumping subsidized crap on you. Yeah. So didn't we used to do that? Do what? Uh, we used to uh, uh, impose tariffs. I'm being a facetious here. I'm basically. Oh yeah, no, we well, we did for three, yeah for four years. Yeah, for about for, give it to, for about four years. Like yeah, yeah, about four years. Had us um, on the right yeah, track. No, no, we did. That was what Trump was doing. And like I said, that's why I did the math because everyone was bitching about oh the higher prices we're paying with all these Trump tariffs, and and in a twenty trillion dollar economy, two hundred billion dollars is nothing. Right. Right. It's nothing. And it grew the economy by $2 trillion because the jobs started returning here and with it the wages and, and, and more people employed and less people unemployed. You know, people act like, oh, well, I'd like to keep the, you know, I'd like to keep the fact that Trump had more blacks and Hispanics and, uh, employed than ever before and wages went up on the low end of the scale for the first time in 50 years, but I don't want to keep his tariffs. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> it's like saying, I'd like to get rid of the cancer, but without the chemotherapy. Right. Uh, uh, excuse me, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, that's, that's what caused the cancer to go away, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it, it, the tariffs are what led to the wage increases and the, low, uh, and the uh, job returns and, and, the, and the, millions, the billions and trillions of dollars of investment reinvested in the country because he made it a more attractive place. Now, it wasn't just the tariffs, of course. It's, it was the lower regulations. Uh, it was the lower t- taxes. It's it's all of the above. Right. But you, even if you lower taxes, even if you lower regulations, if you allow other countries to subsidize their products and dump them in your market, you're not going to address the job situation. You're going to continue to undercut your domestic job market. No question about it. Great object lesson for the United States. Uh, I wish we could get back to that, and hopefully we will in just a couple of years. Seat Motley. <laughs> The founder and president of Less Government. You can visit lessgovernment.org, and you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, Bill Barnett. He's the former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, always a pleasure. Thank always a pleasure. We've been saying that for how many years? So, you know what? Uh, it's, it's at least 12 yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> I'll but tell you what, a lot of things happened in 12 years, <clears throat> for sure. They really so, have. So, uh, you know, you've, uh, it's been so interesting. I don't know how to start this conversation except to say that you filed an ethics complaint with uh, the mayor of Naples. And uh, just wanted to see, any any update, what's going on? Well, I, I, I filed an ethics complaint against the mayor of Naples. Uh, Teresa Heitman, um, and um, the Ethics Commission is meeting on Friday, tomorrow, um, to try and get their procedures squared away. Uh, the new executive director, remember, he started June 1st, so trying to get everything organized, and tomorrow they have a meeting, and then if needed, they're going to have another meeting on the 30th, so they can wrap this up and they can start handling the complaints, mm. um, be they uh, judged you know, um, uh, acceptable. And I know of quite a few others that are uh, either on their way or will be filed um, uh, about the same same issues. Huh. Um, and uh, so it, in the next couple of weeks or the next month, it should be um, it should be interesting, especially if they accept some of these complaints. OK, I don't know how many other people sent or 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 anything like that. I do know that. Um, I've had calls from um, uh, friends of mine that are that are well-known attorneys in the city of Naples, and they have all offered, if I decide to do a defamation of character against her or slander or anything else, um, which I think I probably could very well win, uh, they would represent me pro bono. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I mean, um, because they are... They feel the same way, like, um, you know, that the they feel this was so wrong, and um, uh, I really appreciate them them reaching out to me. Yeah, absolutely. So if I understood what you just said, uh, that uh, you're saying this, you're aware that other complaints are being filed now. Uh, I am. I, I definitely am aware of that. Wow. Um, uh, uh, absolutely. And then it'll be up to the uh, the new uh, city ethics commission to decide if they're warranted, um, and uh, if so, and we we hope they are, or most of them anyway. I don't know what what some of them are, so I can't comment on that. But um, the the ones that I know that are um, that will be filed um, are definitely um, definitely legitimate. Mm-hmm. And definitely, we'll have the paperwork to uh, substanti- to substantiate what is being put on paper. They're not just somebody writing something and sending it in. So, did the city council ever acknowledge this, these issues? I mean, uh... <laughs> well, th- th- that's a a really good question. They they um, acknowledged, but they didn't. They didn't. They wouldn't just okay it. I mean, they didn't have to. Okay, the, this ethics commission doesn't necessarily need their blessing. Mm-hmm. Okay, on on items, but there were a couple of technical things, and they basically approved, but they didn't vote on. They wanted to wait. That the ethics commission said they didn't have to. In other words, council didn't have to mm-hmm. before they went on vacation, and so they'll get to it when they get back. But there's nothing that's going to hold up going to hold up the process. Do you know if Teresa Heitman, the current mayor of Naples, is uh, is she digging her heels in and saying, you know, is she defiant about this or is, is she contrite or wh- where is she coming from? Well, she, she's in a, uh, a state of denial, which I suppose I would be if it was the other way around, saying, well, I never said those things or I never did this or whatever. And then, then she blamed Brian Dye, the uh, the uh, our, our IT director who who filed the original complaint um, that he didn't first she said he didn't do it somebody did it and put him up to it and then she changed the story again um, she's all over the place but she's she's uh, denying that she did not say anything about Kevin and I well here's the bottom line answer Bob mm-hmm. when and if they get to investigating the, some of these complaints okay. Um, there will be some subpoenas issued, 
And there is one person that definitely knows it all who was in the room uh, when the four people were in that room and um, will tell all. He's got files, notes, everything else on it, and so does Brian Dye, the uh, IT director. So most of this is documented and can be backed up. And so I don't know what she is going to do when it gets to that point. I think she's hoping it doesn't get to that point and is doing everything she can to prevent it from getting to that point. Mm -hmm. I just remind our listeners, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even say this without laughing, that uh, she... <laughs> She accused the, the sheriff, uh, Sheriff Rambosco, Kaya Kenny, and, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, in orchestrating some sort of a child uh, uh, traffic. Prostitution ring at the airport. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It, it's, uh, you know, it's just, the poor the, yeah, the poor airport. I mean, you know, they, they, they then it's, and it's really, it's more, I mean, everybody has said to me, I haven't had one person came up to me and said, you know, how could you do something like that, whatever it is, because everybody knows how absolutely absurd it is, and there's not one iota of proof, not even a sliver. Right. Okay. And that would be a pretty good trick to pull off for anybody, but uh, I'll tell you what, um, the, why why us? Okay. I mean, I, I know that, uh, that Teresa is, uh, she holds grudges, and um, she went all the way back to when she was on council Oh my God! Eight years ago, or whatever long, ever long it was, and she, uh, you know, she has. I said maybe I use the wrong terms. I said hit list. I mean hit list of of people that he, she has grudges against, and uh, now has her chance to um, to get even. I guess because I I couldn't figure out. I know she just doesn't like me and never has. Um, but um, I guess with Kevin, because her, I, I I guess some of her kids were arrested or busted um, way back by the sheriff's department and uh, NPD, and I guess she's annoyed about that. I don't know, Bob. I, I, can only, I can only guess. But here's the thing. I mean, she's an elected official. Uh, there's always going to be some degree of accountability. I mean, maybe she used to do this stuff before she became mayor or in the city council, but this is just not going to stand up to scrutiny. No. No, it, it won't stand up, and, uh, you know, you can only duck and weave so much, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I certainly And uh, even with some council members that are, that are siding with her. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Sanctuary City stuff. Yeah, hey, what, uh, what about that? I mean, uh, <laughs> what's, what's going on on that front? Well, on that front, they turned it down about four times because these uh, Sanctuary City people keep coming back every week at a council meeting, and this guy Oppenheimer, who announced for election, he's, he's going to run for council. Remind me next week, Bob, um, to give you the story about what he did with me. He filed an ethics complaint against me years ago wow. um, when I was mayor. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you all about it. Give you something to think about. All right. So, the, but basically, as I recall, th this is a, this is basically becoming a sanctuary sanctuary city for abortion. So, in other words, they were. Uh, yeah, well, that's what they want it to be. Yeah. But but the you know the 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 bottom line is Bob, and and not getting into that sort of personal decision anyway. But let me tell you. When they're using the thing of uh, there are people in the city that want to start abortion clinics, that's that is just absolute absurdity because the nearest Planned Parenthood is about fifty yards from the city limits, uh, um, up on 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 Creech and Fourteenth uh, in the city, huh. um, and so the the that that alone is you know there are a lot of scare tactics and you know what you're doing and. The bottom line is we'll end up in hell. Well, you know, I might be there going there anyway. So, <laughs> see Bill, all my friends. Bill Barbett, <laughs> what can I tell you? Former mayor, mayor of Naples, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Bob, if you get out there in that golf course, hit him great, and we'll look forward to uh, next week. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Charles Murray. Uh, Charles Murray is a, a American, uh, I'm going to call a social scientist, has written several books. His latest, uh, Facing Reality, Two Truths About Race in America. So he's going to be a guest on tomorrow's show. Really looking forward to the interview with Charles Murray. Uh, Michael Cannon is going to join us. He's the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. 
William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute, will be with us, as well as Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>